Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady. When I did a ritual to meet Marilyn Manson and it, he came into my life like very shortly after the ritual happened. And I'm not afraid of your ghost. Oh Lord, he's got a hold on me, pulling me down. And I follow wherever he leads. Well, he's taking me under. I realized that I could bend reality and magic work because there was no circumstances that could ever happen that would make those series of events happen that could, you know, align and manifest my will without putting the account of the variables of magic into that decision. That's why we're supposed to, that's why when you're like doing advanced magic, it's you get, you're trying to get to a point where you're consciously choosing every single thought because every single thought has an influence and a vibration and a frequency. That's why people meditate for hours and empty their minds so that they can choose what they consume and mm. choose what they think. Absolutely. And I think actually they want us to be in a dull state when we're, where we're like whisked away and unconscious and numbed out because those are the low frequencies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with our brand new intro with our brand new studio mic. That's right, I'm on the mic. I hope I sound better, more professional than ever before. Please forgive me for our past discrepancies, listeners. We really appreciate you being here. And while you're here, go to www.myfamilythinksomecrazy.com or go to www.patreon.com slash mftic to support the show and keep this show on the air today on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast i'm joined as always by my audio engineer my producer my thorn in my side p how are you jay i am good i'm literally looking at my actual birth certificate to find out what time i was born 
Wow. And that's relevant because today on the show, we have Alex Kazami. He is the author of a book called Pop Magic, as well as just an overall intuitive, connected person who I'm really excited to have on the show because he's going to tell Jay and I a little bit about ourselves. But first, Alex, let's learn about you. How are you today, Alex? I'm good, man. I'm really happy to be here. Really love what you guys are doing with the pod and I think it's so dope that Grim America was also here, keeping it in the fam. Yeah, yeah, and and I did get that correct. It is Pop Magic. That's the name of your book. Yeah, Pop Magic: A Simple Guide to Bending Your Reality. All right, cool. And where can people find that? Right at the top. Popmagic.com and alexkazemi.com. Maybe there will be a link in the bio or the description. There will be. There will be. Awesome. So, Alex, we typically ask the same question for all of our guests. What was the moment when you realized that something wasn't right? The world that you've been told about was not quite as so. What was the what was the breakthrough moment for you that led you down this magical path? Like when I kind of saw the the grid of the matrix or the simulation, like that moment. Yes. I feel like for for me, I guess it's been like a, a series, series of moments really. But I think the first time was when I discovered witchcraft when I was 21. And this is a controversial uh, statement to say in this time, but it was when I did a ritual to meet Marilyn Manson and he came into my life like very shortly after the ritual happened. And I realized that I could bend reality and magic worked because there was no circumstances that could ever happen that would make those series of events happen that could align and manifest my will without putting the account of the variables of magic into that decision. Wow. And for those who aren't aware uh, of that story, I remember hearing about it when you're on the Great America show, you, you went in detail about, you know, how you actually manifested Marilyn Manson in your life. But that's kind of an odd character. What was the fascination with Marilyn Manson? What, what made you seek him out? Well, I think because when I was younger, I really related to him because he was questioning the things around in society. And he was at that time in the early 2000s, you know, he was an an antithesis to what was happening in in pop culture. And he was a counterculture and he would always talk about how you could create your own reality. And I just always felt aligned with him. And even as a child, I kind of knew like, okay, this person's going to be a part of my life in a big way when I'm older. It was just a higher self thing. And I think, you know, I think something that a lot of people have misinterpreted kind of about my book is, is that I use pop culture as a metaphor for people's hugest desires and huge dreams because the simulation indoctrinates us into this idea that, you know, pop culture is so huge. So showing people all these examples with pop was kind of showing you like, well, you could do simpler things like have a huge podcast or rather than meet celebrities. You know what I mean? Cause I think people have misinterpreted that about the book. Yeah. I have yet to get the book. I definitely want to read it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one day. That's something that Jameson and I, Jay and I are familiar with because I don't know if we spoke about this on the phone, Alex, but there was a moment when I had a sort of meditation that, involved kind of visualizing coins falling into a bowl a few weeks later actual gold 
coin worth about $1,600 fell on the farmer's market table where Jameson and I worked and, 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 and nobody came back to claim it. And, and in the moment of seeing it, I realized what it was. And I had this kind of like moment time freezing where I was like, what should I do? Should I take it and put it in my pocket and not say a word? Or should I tell Jay? And I knew if I told Jay, he would be the more responsible of us and say, we have to return this to whoever owns it. So I told Jay, despite potentially losing it. And, uh, and we waited, we waited, we waited three weeks goes by. Nobody comes back for it. And we ended up uh, selling it to the jeweler and splitting it 50, 50. But I honestly realized afterwards that there was a connection between the bowl meditation and this event. So that demonstrated, and that demonstrated it to me, like your Marilyn Manson manifestation and then manifesting that relationship between Marilyn Manson. I mean, the moment you got, I think it was like a text message or an email yeah. from him. You were probably like, whoa, like this huge, like swell of energy. And that's, yeah, that's kind when of- I knew magic was real. I was like, this is it. I can, I can do anything. I can hack it. And you know, I'm really happy you shared that story because how could you not put the variable of the the meditation that you did in correlation with that manifestation? And like if I could if I could clarify it's impossible. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but if I could clarify, I think really, and maybe you can expand on this more as someone who's practiced, I forgot that I did the bowl meditation like yeah. minutes after. And in forgetting, you kind of demonstrate your faith in the magic itself. Cause like people who have anxiety and, and constantly think about yeah. something, that's something that they don't have a grasp on. But when you have a grasp on something, it's not something on your mind, like professional sports players, they're not thinking when they're out there, you know, doing these amazing moves yeah. that take years and years of practice. It's all muscle memory. It's all reflex and confidence. And I think that's the same uh, mechanism that we apply when we have faith or belief in ourselves and our abilities uh, to, to manifest, right? Oh yeah, dude, absolutely. And that's amazing that you said that because you just really leaked a Kabbalistic magical secret. Like when you forget and you detach, you're saying to the universe that you have so much certainty and trust. Somehow the universe reflects that back to you and you you get you're the thing that you desired. And I think I think that's just exactly it. Like when you create a sigil, the point is, is that you burn it and you forget about it and it like burns to the bottom of your mind and your desire burns to the bottom of your mind. Because if you're constantly obsessing and you're thinking about it, you're not going to manifest it. You're not going to attract it, but you can attract things in that way, but it's very chaotic and manic. Right. Now, for those who don't know, like my co-host here, can you explain to people listening how one makes a sigil and what a sigil is well see there's a specific way to make a sigil that is traditional that you can find out in my book but a lot of a lot of people like a lot of people like to make sigils in the traditional way but the whole point that i wrote pop magic is to explain that magic is is all about the consciousness and the batteries that you apply to the tools the prop and the tools rarely ever have the power unless they've been charged or any of that type of stuff so you could just like you know draw a weird fucking apex twin looking symbol on a on a piece of paper and scribble it and charge it with energy and your desire and burn it and that could work, you know, or you could do the specific way of doing a sigil, 
which is like, you know, crossing out the vowels and, and all that shit. But I, I feel like we have sigils all around us. You know, we're being brainwashed by sigils all the time. I mean, sigils are, are everywhere, all around us. Capitalism is built upon sigil magic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's why when we look at the Starbucks logo and you see like those mermaid fins, it's yeah. like, oh, that's not an accident. That's supposed to uh, invoke this ancient mermaid siren deity, right? Yeah, so yeah. everything has a sort of pattern behind it. And people in the conspiracy realm, they tend to get wrapped up in like, oh, well, there's symbolism <laughs> yeah. everywhere. So everything is a conspiracy. But it's like, well, if these things are powerful, then intelligent people are trying to utilize them because they work, right? So it's like you're seeing them in successful businesses because successful businesses have intelligent people who utilize these tools. It's not necessarily a, a dark occult thing but i mean when you get into the topic of free will and magic it can become kind of dark right because oh yeah yeah 100 100 i think when you're too ruled by the self and free will and you do hack into the matrix and you do see that magic does work and you're constantly using it to attract the things that you want for egoic darker purposes whether you're like feeding darker fetishes or feeding darker entities i think that that is that is the really side of magic that people fear when they are you know watching conspiracy videos on youtube and and, and about people in power doing magic well guess what that's actually happening it's been happening for a long time and remember when we were in high school and everyone was watching those like illuminati conspiracy theory videos and like passing them around yeah and they were like the new world order is coming and like everyone would like watch them and they'd be like breakdown of Rihanna's umbrella video and all this type of stuff. And there was such like a feeling of fear at that time. And now like 10 years later, it's like, you look at the world, there's a plutocracy, there's a new world order. We were being warned or they were manipulating us and just gearing us up for what was going to happen because oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like right after 2010, you know, shit went crazy. <laughs> now, do you, do you believe in, what some people call, you know, this being the Aquarian age, right? Are you one to oh, yeah, associate this with, because I was just on a podcast last night, the free thinking, free thinker society podcast with Mike Romanelli. And we were talking to Ryan Bledsoe and he was saying how one of the communications his father received was signifying that we are now in this age of Aquarius. So what does that oh, mean yeah, to you, Oh, yeah, we're in Alex? the age of Aquarius. We're in the age of Aquarius, 100%. And I think, you know, the fact that, you know, there is this, you know, the fact that witch talk exists in the public, you know, and pop culture as like a, like a pop term shows that we are in the age of Aquarius. People are awakening to the mysticism that has been really hidden from us in exchange for organized religion and dogma. And because they don't want us to know our magic, they don't want us to know our powers, because if we do, then we, we, we won't be submissive consumers and we won't be able to create a utopia for ourselves and live our destiny on this earth. We'll just be blank batteries for the plutocracy. And, you know, some people are, 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 you know, I really think, I mean, I'm not a COVID conspiracy theorist, but I do think there, there's something fucking weird about the indoctrination of virtual reality in the time of quarantine. Right. A hundred percent. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, would you say that this kind of connection to the network and the grid is indicative of the Aquarian age? Like, like the kind of 
shadow yes. side of the lights that we're gonna ultimately because you know everything has a shadow side and a light side the way i've yeah. heard it is like we first experience the kind of lower frequency before it becomes crystallized into the higher frequency um, yeah well i mean i think you know in the upper in the upper worlds they they say that they don't communicate by words it's all telepathy and you know if you look at like you know the way that we're communicating through like modern hieroglyphics like memes you know images we're like not talking to each other we're literally sharing memes it's like a form of telepathy you know and i think the aquarian age will bring a lot of people who will evolve into a 5d consciousness and you know be more interested in the other soul families like syrians and palladians and all this type of stuff it's going to become more accessible in different algorithm very algorithmic variations that you choose to plug into through your consciousness but I don't think everyone is going to wake up because not everyone can wake up. Like we can't wake people up. People have to choose to wake up. They have to have an experience that will wake them up. That's why when I was writing this book, a lot of celebrities that I know who practice magic, they were like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you revealing this? Because they're like, don't you want more for yourself? Don't you want more for all of us? Like, why would you let people know? People are too stupid to believe in this. Like, why would you put it out there? And that just goes to show me that the occult has been gatekeeped and been aristocratic and regal for so long. And I think that's really wrong. I think it's really wrong. I agree. I think that like you touched on at the beginning of what you said, it, they're keeping us from this purposefully to negate the potential we have as enlightened, connected human beings, right? So maybe without going too much into the conspiratorial stuff, maybe we can get back to the the magic and, and you know, what it means to be in this human vessel, right? I think part of that is having an awareness of yourself. And one of yeah. the best ways you can have an awareness of yourself is understanding your astrological chart, because it's literally like a, a snapshot of the universe that you were incarnated into at that very moment, right? Mm -hmm. Because where the planets are in relation to yourself at that moment in time where you exit your mother's womb, that becomes your chart, right? Your sun sign. Your, yeah, yeah, your that's Mars your soul's sign. DNA. Kabbalistically, that's your soul's DNA. That's the stuff that you came here to work on and the things you came to fulfill. And the more when you surrender and, you know, align yourself with the destiny of your chart, amazing things happen. Okay. Amazing wow. things happen. And I think, but, you know, something pop astrology doesn't talk about is, is that our negative aspects are in our chart and that they're the code and hack to alchemize into a more enlightened version of ourselves. You know, a lot of people will be like, Oh, I'm a Libra. I'm vain. And then that's just it. But if you have those, you know, vanity traits, you have to kind of realize that, that, that that's not something to celebrate. You have to alchemize it. You have to do the opposite. You have to go above your nature. Right. Well, I sent you my chart. Yeah. That is a chart I got from Michael Wan. He is behind SusquehannaAlchemy.com. You can get a Skymancy session from him and he'll read that chart to you. But on the left side is the traditional tropical reading. And then on the second is like a side reel, which is, he'll have to explain that, but it, it's kind of, don't worry about the one on the right, but the one on the left is is traditionally 
our chart. And then I guess Michael Wan's explanation is that, you know, our measurement and our perspective, the lens that we view constellations through has been shifted over time. So wow, yeah, that side reel chart that's called on the right side of there, that's kind of like where my chart is now. So feel free to address either side. I mean, I believe- Wait, wait. So, so that you're like basic, like your sun is in Libra, your moon's in Capricorn, your Mercury's in Scorpio, your Venus is in Scorpio. But on the other side of the chart, the natural time, is that also your chart or? That is, that is my more accurate chart. So oh, that's okay. Like, so the one with the, with the Virgo and Sag? Right. So I, I think maybe I might be interpreting this wrong, but it's my understanding. Like what Mike was saying is that since there was this shift in the procession, now like there is a changing in the signs so both are still true for who i am but one of them's a little more accurate right so yeah they're so they're pretty different so it's it's quite it's pretty confusing they're they're kind of like it's like a wheel right and if you just shift it over 15 degrees that's why they're all you get what i mean so like yeah yeah for sure so maybe that's not helpful for the listener, but feel free to address either side of that. I, I'm, I don't Well, care. yeah, you know, if, wait, what day is your birthday? I mean, you don't have to put that in, but I'm just curious. October 11th. Okay, so that's, Lib- that's Libra. That's not Virgo at all. So if we're going to look at the tropical matrix chart, you know, sun in Libra, moon in Capricorn, Mercury in Scorpio, Venus in Scorpio. So your sun is like your, your personality, you know, what you radiate, Kabbalistically, like your Tifaret, like you're on the tree of life, like your your natural abundance. You know, your moon is in Capricorn, so your moon is how you experience the world, how you experience your emotions. So that would be in like an earthy, kind of logical, pragmatic business way. Mercury in Scorpio is a lot of psychic abilities, psychic powers. Venus in Scorpio, that's your the planet of love and art. So that would mean if Venus is in Scorpio, you know, that would mean like you're into occult art, you know, into the underground of things. And especially when it comes to love, you can be very intense. Mars and Leo means, I mean, that's why we're doing a pod with you. You know, there's an aspect of you that likes to be seen, that likes attention. And Jupiter and Scorpio, we both share this. This means that there's an aspect, there's a soul family of our generation that are here to unmask things and decrypt things and get to the root source and expose things into sunlight and find the truth. So I really relate to you on that. And yeah, it's a, it's a great chart. Excellent. So where, when when you say that I'm obsessed with the occult, that's very true. <laughs> I think people can see that in our previous episodes. But, you know, as far as what I can do with this information, maybe you can elaborate on a oh, little yeah, bit yeah, more for sure. of, so... of like why understanding this stuff is important. Because, you know, the listeners, they don't care, you know, much about my chart. I care, yeah, obviously, yeah. but how can they kind of take this and, and apply it to what they'll learn about themselves? Well, I think like a great way to like a kind of Kabbalistic way is to kind of, you know, study, you know, maybe do some research, read some books or look 
look on uh, Google of, you know, what each aspect of your chart means, like what does moon and Capricorn mean? And then figure out if you have those qualities, you probably do. And then see what those negative attributes of those qualities are. And then write down the converted good qualities and try to focus on that because we're here to ascend our charts as well. We're here to overcome our reactive nature and our soul DNA. We also want to go above our nature. We want to be bigger than our our soul DNA and beyond our limitations. Of course, we want to fulfill our destiny, which, which our chart helps us with. It gives us the tools, but we also don't want to be a victim of our chart. Pop astrology is a lot of um, memes of being a victim of your chart. Like, oh, I'm a Scorpio. I'm so manipulative. Ha, ha, ha. It's like, no, if you know that about yourself, you're supposed to change that and overcome it because you didn't come here to just chill. You came here to learn stuff. And if you don't learn stuff, you're not going to accelerate your process because Kabbalistically, there's something called tikkun, which is our soul correction. And if you're not working on your soul correction, you're not working on your, and you're burning your karma, you're going to come back to this plane and incarnate again with the same issues. And you don't want to do that. Right. Now, you were telling me on our phone call that you could tell that I was a, a Taurus in my past life, right? Which is why I made the decision to come here with so much Scorpio in my chart to kind of explore that spiritual. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, we both have that. I forgot that you and I are both North Node in Scorpio and South Node in Taurus. Right. right. We share that. We're we're from a similar soul family. So for those who don't so know, awesome. <laughs> so for those who don't know the the North Node and the South Node, those denote like where you were and where you're going. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Is this the the circle chart right that I'm looking at for mine? Right. Yeah, I mean, he emailed me it, so I'm just looking at it on my my. If you uh, look in the the chat here on Zoom. Jay shared his chart. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw Jay's as well. I'm, I'm saying, it. is it the circle one though? Oh um, yeah, fuck. I'm not. I'm not well, smart enough to Jay, read this if you're, the circle one. If you're Jay, oh shit, Jay is 1994 as well, so he might have the same North Node as us. We should find out. Jay, you, the the chart, the circle is the chart, and just like every chart, uh, there's a key, there's a key yeah, yeah, to yeah. reading the chart. So he's reading the key, which points out what each symbol on the chart. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. If you go to astro-charts.com, that might help you as well. It's more, it, it might be more minimal, and that shows you a direct thing, being like Sun, Aquarius, Moon, this. Like you'll be able to see it more. Well, I'm curious to know how our charts line up and if our chemistry as co-hosts is going to be. Yeah, I want to see. Well, I want to see like like a fucking like like your chart where it has like the the text like this, you know. Oh, did he not send you that? No, he only sent me the fucking like the real. Where does what's like the the thing that real astrologers can can fucking read? I just I'm I'm learning. We're not live, so we can edit out any hang time while Jay's getting that going. Um, Oh yeah, of course we're good. So cafe astrology kind of just gives. I'm gonna link you one second. I'm gonna link you to something. Okay, yeah, let's do that. That works. I was thinking the other day driving. Or not the other day. It was literally today. I was driving home from work. I was like, what a time to be alive. Like this, this is, <laughs> yeah, some, is. dude, we're going through some crazy ass shit in our lifetime, dude. This is it's like the culmination sick. of like so many plans put together. Oh my God. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like I was, I was like, I was 
fucking in public. I don't like to go in public, but I was in public and I was seeing everyone with masks and all this type of stuff. And I was looking around and usually I'd get really depressed. And then I was like, you know what? No, this, this means we're on the verge of something. Something is changing. Something is coming. And, and also I kind of was like a little upset because I saw that everyone who was in their mask was also looking down at their phone. And I'm like, Hmm, this seems like something the plutocracy and the billionaires want is us to be like connected to their hyper network while we're wearing masks from a global pandemic. It seems like they're utopia, like they're jerking off to this. Yeah, well, we'd hope that they're getting some enjoyment out of it because most of us aren't. <laughs> no, I, I had a similar thought though, like this is definitely like on the verge of breaking because like this is like I, I, I said the other day at work, I was like every day I wake up and I think this shit can't get any crazier and the next day it just gets so crazier. You know yeah, wait, okay, so I have your chart now. Holy shit, you guys are very compatible, wow. <laughs> no way! I'm your six-year friendship on the making, maybe even longer. Wow! Moon, moon in Taurus and Cap Moon—that's great. Sinistry, Mercury in Pisces with Mercury in Scorpio, great. And also, you also have the same North Node as us in Scorpio, so you were also a Taurus in a past life, and you came here to like rid your hedonism and to step into oh, your. Look at that, dude, uh, Jay. We're ascending spiritually together, bro. <laughs> that's awesome. You didn't even know that when I was dragging you onto this podcast, that it would lead to your spiritual expansion. Dragging, dragging me on to a uh, scheduled podcast. <laughs> hey, once a week, you have to show up to something where I'm not going to pay you and you're forced to talk about stuff that you have no idea uh, anything about. I love it. Hey, wait, so, oh, okay, but your Mars signs are an opposite. So he's, okay, so. Is that why we always fight? Well, Mars is the planet of war and aggression and fighting and, and, and drama. Jay always says I'm aggressive. So, well, yeah, because you're Mars in Leo and he's Mars, <laughs> and he's Mars in Aquarius. And Mars wow. in Aquarius is like a chiller. And a Mars in Leo is, is like very bossy and dominant and controlling and. And Mars in air sign is like, whoa, you know what I mean? But Mars and Leo is like, no, we have to do more. We have to produce more. We have to create more. Like, like you know, Mars, that's, that's a crazy Jay, that's crazy. now next time I just want you to be like, hey, man, you're just a Leo and Mars and Leo, you oh know? <laughs> yeah, you guys, you just start talking like, like Gen Z Valley girls. And like, wow, that's your Mars and Leo. <laughs> we already so do funny. kind of do that impression every now and then but back to uh jay and i's yeah ability for, for the digression no it's okay so so ultimately do you think that this podcast has you know oh yeah i mean he had I mean, jay has a taurus moon so he's he's literally the taurus is i think the moon is exalted in taurus so that means that like you can manifest a lot of things in malhut like in the material world and you can and you can get really rich and and you have a cap moon and that means that you can get very wealthy as well so you guys have both have a lot of success in your charts really i have a question can somebody like accidentally do some sort of manifesting like and not even realize that oh yeah of it. course that's the whole point that's why we're supposed to that's why 
when you're like doing advanced magic, it's you get, you're trying to get to a point where you're consciously choosing every single thought because every single thought has an influence and a vibration and a frequency. That's why people meditate for hours and empty their minds so that they can choose what they consume and mm. choose what they think. Right. Because if you're just, I mean, this is kind of like the, the flowing river of consciousness. You can yeah. choose to flow with it, or you can let the current push you where it it wherever it wants. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think actually they want us to be in a dull state when we're where we're like whisked away and unconscious and numbed out because those are the low frequencies, right? Like. I used to always have like demons dragging me around the house because I had like low frequencies, like in the vibrations of my thoughts and, and my, my, the things I was focusing on and demons would just like drag me around the house. Now, what do you think about books having a sort of frequency? Because people kind of know my show from my appearance on the Tim Fall hat, I assume where I talked about Aleister Crowley. And, you know, something I didn't get into that much on podcasts was my kind of strange relationship with Aleister Crowley's books themselves. Like, I love that you say, I love that you say Crowley instead of Crowley. Well, it's, yeah. Oh, it's the unholy Crowley. It's unholy Crowley, not, not Crowley. You're right. Dude, I hate the way that people false worship Crowley. I think I even talk about it in my book. He's he's the superstar of the occult because he wanted it that way. He, like he was he was obsessed with fame and obsessed with manipulating the media and obsessed with attention. Well, he wanted to be the the aeon like the new the child of the and new the aeon. He wanted to mark the mark of the beast. I mean, some people look, I think it's essential. I mean, it's not essential to read Crowley. I think it's Interesting to be aware of that historical well, period of the Golden aside, Dawn. Aside from Crowley, though, I guess my larger question is, is do you think that books themselves can oh, carry yeah, a certain uh, energy that can influence? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, look kidding? look behind me. I got uh, a lot of books. <laughs> we love and, books here. We read here, guys. <laughs> and then I will say that like, when I bought this Crowley book, Crowley Magic, book four, Lieber, oh yeah, no, the blue Lieber. one. Yes, and <laughs> I, I brought it with me to a cafe I was working at, and I'm just reading it in between in customers. Public? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're you know, sitting in public reading Crowley. Yeah, yeah, you know, just holy just, shit. People don't know what book it <laughs> you is. You should have seen what he put on the typewriter. Oh, oh yeah, there was a public uh, typewriter in the cafe. I would write all kinds of cool messages for people to find. Oh, that's but, really sick. Creating the bathroom wall. That's that's yeah. important to do. Very well, yeah, important that, do. that was an interesting uh, addition. Back, I'm, the, I'm, the book is a good story. <laughs> well, the, the book, you know, this strange homeless guy comes in and he like sits right down, doesn't buy anything. And he starts scribbling in between the lines of a Bible. But not only that, you know, if that's not weird enough for you folks, he sets up two electric candles on the table, you know, like the kind Whoa. that you switch on for Christmas decorations. Right. So he and, and this was a summertime. And so we have him sitting there. He's like scribbling between the Bible. He's got like some index cards as well that he was like looking at with like weird scribblings on it all in his own handwriting. And 
I'm just like watching from afar and I'm kind of like, oh, that's strange. You know, I'm reading this book. Here comes a strange character. <laughs> so I go yeah. over to him and I'm like, hey, man, you know, you, you got to buy something if you want to sit in the cafe. And he's like, oh, give me a moment. I was going to buy a coffee. And he comes over to the counter. And he's all mad. He's like, you know, I'm the second incarnation of Mer- of Charles Manson and the grandson what? of Aleister Crowley. And I'm just trying to like, manage. yeah this potential psycho homeless person because he looked homeless i don't know if he was homeless. but he's a facet of your psyche as well right because everything everything in our reality is a mirror of what is happening in our consciousness as well right so kabbalistically they would say that you know that person was in your life at that exact time because you needed a message and you needed to there, there there's something were you in a state of fear when you were reading the scrolly book Maybe awe as like sort of like in a sense of like I wasn't going to use it the way it was intended. I was just using it for like researching the contents of it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) You know, like I I wasn't planning on like following any step by step anything, you know, because I had I had played around with like guides to Wicca by Cunningham and other played around with rituals when I was younger and they're just not something i'm interested in after getting minor consequences from those experiments you know the consequences are real everyone and they're (laughs) they're they're man you know it's kind of funny you know all those little (laughs) stories about about magic that exist out there in like stupid tv shows where people get curious well guess what that's real that's part of real magic as well and you can manifest but back to the larger point is like that book not only to your point demonstrated some more respect for the book itself to be like oh don't play around with this This is a serious look at the type of character it attracted Uh, but also demonstrating that there is this connection to it all but yeah i have several books by him and, and i've never found his work very compelling enough to like read it cover to cover yeah yeah and and i've actually i took more interest in researching his life through other authors and that's why i put together that episode with sam on tinfoil hat because i wanted people to get a full picture of who he was because there are characters in podcasting who talk about him like he is some kind of rock star like you said and that's just bs because a he didn't live a glamorous life, especially towards the end. And B, no. he was kind of an asshole to a lot of the people who were yeah, close to him, you know? And and yeah, and quite possibly a criminal, which, like I said on my podcast with Sam, I couldn't find any evidence for that. So I didn't want to just go make a, an accusation. And that's yeah. kind of where the argument came up. But we don't need to rehash that. I think you and I both have this, a similar agreement that like magic is a tool and just because he used it for evil or his own will doesn't mean that all magic is bad right well i think the thing that the problem with matt there's no there's no problem with magic but like okay so the reason that magic is seductive to people is because people feel powerless right when i discovered magic i felt powerless i was in a really dark bad place so when there is that opportunity of hope that you are actually awakening to a spirituality and that you do have the level of influence to the reality in the world you're creating, 
people can go a little fucking crazy. You know, that's why we see celebrities who get really deep into magic and darker magic and they, they, their egos explode and they do crazy shit and they get consequences because they're feeding and working with entities and working with lower vibrational spirits. I mean, dude, there's like clips of David Bowie, like chilled to the core being like, yeah, like in the seventies, like I was really into magic and Kabbalah and like Crowley and, it was a very dark time for me, you know, because it's like people, people awaken themselves to the darker aspects of it, honestly, by instinct or just where their will is at that time of needing power for themselves alone. But when you start to awaken that you can collaborate and unify and, you know, become one with the universe and with all that is, you know, you don't want to do magic for the bad shit. You want to do good magic. You want to bring good shit together. You want to collaborate. You want to create more fulfillment. You want to, you you know, the highest power of, the highest form of magic is doing magic with intention of service. Right. And I, I think that's ultimately where, you know, the moral of my story that I told you about Jameson and I it yeah. lies is, is in, this, in the moment I, I saw that, money fall on the table i had that moment of like be selfish and hide it in your pocket and never tell anybody or tell jay and potentially that would mean giving it back to whoever left it there because i know jay's good nature was kind of true like i just knew that's how he would take that situation and because i chose the karmically good decision right made that point a instead of point b i took the the higher road we had a reward i think that yeah was yeah of course like i mean more. That, you're an early learner then you know what i mean because the first kind of years of getting magic doing magic and getting things is our kind of like chaotic rock star turbulence you know like it's it's a very adrenaline driven chaotic time usually for people who are doing a lot of self-will magic right and then the next phase is when you accumulate all that you desired and you're still empty and you're not fulfilled by the material world and then you have to go higher you have to start working on your karma you have to work on your soul you have to work on your soul correction you have to awaken to kabbalah you have to awaken to the advanced forms of magic you have to go to that next phase because you can't just stay in that stagnant earlier beginner's years of like like mad like magical arrested development in a weird way, you know, of just being like, I'm just gonna get all the things from my ego. I'm gonna get things from my ego. It's like, no, you you have to use it for service. If someone around you has a cousin who's dying from cancer or something, they're like, hey, can you do a ritual for me with with selenite or something? Guess what? You that's an opportunity to to use magic for service and visualize that person healed. Like it's not, it's, it becomes a tool. That's exactly it. Right. Now <clears throat> I do want to open this up for Jay to ask a question. If you don't have a question, then maybe we can get into the Kabbalah Although, a little bit deeper. Well, yeah. I mean, Jay is a blue, what, what, can we talk about the Yu-Gi-Oh card that he's representing <laughs> right now? Yeah. It's the blue eyes, white dragon. Blue it's, eyes, white it's dragon. It's very so. weird. It's like your silhouette has, it's, it's very just... Aquarius, honestly. <laughs> Why is that? Because it's just fucking bizarre. It's very Uranus. It's like crazy. It's like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm like zooming with a blue eyed white dragon, but also blue eyed white dragon is kind of like Aquarian energy, you know, like a shiny card. Oh yeah. 
I like that. This I, I love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, yeah. You wanted to talk about Kabbalah? Yeah, let's get into it. Well, yeah, Kabbalah is like the the root source to all 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 of magic. You know, the Golden Dawn that Israel Regarding and Crowley were a part of, and the secret societies is not the beginning of the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah is from the Zohar, and it predates Christianity. It predates everything. It's the first root source of magic, and when you start to teach yourself or, you know, have Kabbalistic teachers uh, and you start to awaken yourself to this knowledge, you're, you're, you're creating less chaos. You're bringing order to chaos and you're speeding up your process of connecting with all that is one, the infinity. It's about the anti-solipsism, the anti-ego and being like, you know what? I can overcome my nature and I can be higher than this. I can be higher than my animalistic impulses. I can be higher than my, my astrological chart and I can manifest my, my best life, you know? And it's funny after a few years of practicing Kabbalah, I've only just realized that, you know, it has really changed the process for me, like way less chaos. I have an interesting thought. Yeah, of course. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but this whole so me and Mark skateboarded a lot in our in our time. And one like major thing everyone tells you when you're skateboarding is if you could imagine you doing the trick, yeah, you can do it, right? And this is yeah. that's what that's what I'm thinking. Like for that's just the thought that keeps popping into my mind throughout this conversation. Yeah, no, of course, dude. That's 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 what it is. Like athletes who visualize getting the fucking medal or winning and they win, you know, it, it's connected to the visualization, you know, and, and because if you don't believe in that and your subconscious mind doesn't believe in that, you know, how, how could you manifest it? How could you, how could you create it? If you're, if there's one aspect of you that is interacting with an aspect of you that is, you know, completely contradicting and doubting the thing that you want that exists within you, you know, the thing with doubt is, is, it's it's harder said than done, but you know, think of doubt as like a TV with like white noise in the background, and it's literally just the fucking white noise of the blurry channel without cable, and that's all it is. Like, and if you walk past that sound and you bypass it, you could fucking do anything. I swear to God. I I'm sorry, I'm not responding as fast as I usually do. I'm just really trying to process all of this because. You're putting a lot of the pieces together. I mean, can you touch on, because I know that in the Kabbalah and in Jewish language, what's the Hebrew? Each yeah. number and letter are associated with each other. Yeah, yeah. It's and fucking through crazy, that, dude. And through that, you can start to better understand why certain words might have associations with other words and also with certain frequencies, right? Because oh yeah, of course, dude. Like it's like the, mapping out because all of our what do what do they tell you when you look at like how would we communicate with aliens? They say like oh we'd have to use binary because numbers are universal, right? So oh yeah, when I've you been, tell me, I've had alien encounters, by the way. Let's get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I've had fucking alien encounters, dude. It's fucked well, to, up. to wrap to wrap up like my point, and then we'll get into the alien encounters. It's like when you consider that all 
of these numbers are universal. And then, like you said, this Kabbalah system of magic is kind of like the foundation for Western magic. Through numbers, we decipher our universe and through language, we explain our universe. Absolutely. So if, the, if they're inherently connected, then, you know, there's a certain power to certain ideas and, and words, right? Like the word love or the word hate or the oh, word yeah, peace. Oh, yeah, of course, of you course. Know? Like, like language is so powerful and has, has such a powerful vibration. And, you know, the reason that all of the, you know, lesser ritual banishing of the fucking pentagram, you know, all that shit is in Hebrew and stolen from the Kabbalah that the Golden Dawn took is because, you know, Adonai, Eloheinu, all that type of stuff is from the highest frequency. And that, you know, so we have all these like Crowley type dudes in robes, like, chanting like hebrew stuff they're reading in books and not understanding that it's from the kabbalah it's from the zohar it, it all comes from that judaic place and you're right the mathematics of the universe can be seen in the kabbalah and there's a lot of synchronicities with modern science and the kabbalah and it's i mean it it's a technology that transcends time and space and it and, it, and it's worked for 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 a long long time and i, I challenge anyone to try to, you know, look at the 72 names of God or chant and see the the results that can happen in the frequency that you feel. Because when I scan the Zohar or any type of Hebrew letters with that have magical intention in them, it's like an extra, it's like a electrocution of energy. And I, I'm very skeptical, you know, like I go in my head, I'm like, is this all in my head? And then it's, it bypasses my consciousness. Like the energy is there, you know? So I think if anyone is already on a magical path and you want to go to that next level, try to study the Kabbalah and, you know, there's amazing resources out there and honestly follow your, follow your path. But yeah, repeating numbers is a big part of synchronicities. Like before I came on this podcast, I knew that I would see 22 in your chart and I saw it like three times, you know, that's not a coincidence. What's the significance of that? The significance of 22 is because it's been my, my guiding number through my magical path. Wow. And where did you see 22 in our charts? Dude. (laughs) Well, because, well, I saw it with the the 22 degrees you have in Capricorn. I mean, it just like, and and in Uranus, the weirdest planet. (laughs) And, also, yeah, I just I just saw the numbers 22, you know, it, it doesn't have to appear in a specific way. But usually, when we see repeating numbers, it's the upper worlds communicating to us, it's sending us divine synchronicities and messages that we're not alone. Like it, sometimes I get really fucking annoyed that so many people are solipsistic and like, so believing that we are just in a material plane. And that's just it. And we're all just going to fucking die. And that's it. It pisses me off sometimes. The repeating numbers has been a huge part in my life. Like this is before all of this podcasting stuff. Like I think my number is 66. And for the life of me, like I've I've been like wondering what like, well, 66 divided by three is 22. I mean, that's like Dude, the, some I've of just, the most magical numbers right there. Three at and 22. First, at first I started yeah, wow. thinking like, at first I was like super negative about it because it came up during like a really bad relationship, but it followed me. And like, I was like, what the hell is going on with this? You know? And I don't know. I have like mixed feelings about it just because I am probably unaware of what it means, you know? But I think, that is like the first thing that like 
showed me like this is an interesting path I'm on and it got me thinking about the synchronicities even oh harder. yeah for sure I mean and I would do some research you know of numerology and frequencies and study what 66 means and look up angel number 66 and see if it resonates you know mm. wow so when you got in touch with Marilyn Manson how old were you 21 21 so was that before or after you had alien encounters i've had alien encounters in the last six months wow okay so let's get into it what happened where were you <laughs> oh my god people are gonna think i'm fucking crazy but look no they won't I you're on the my family think some crazy podcast yeah yeah well i talked about it with a friend who I described the scenario to, to you and I had no, I swear on my life, I never looked it up. I never researched anything. And he's like, do you understand you're describing everything that everyone who's encountered an alien has said? And I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know, whatever. So, okay. So this is what happened. So it's fucking weird. So I was like in my bedroom and I was like looking out, out to the sky and I saw, you know, like a UFO or like a, something that's like, moving super fast. I'm like, what the fuck's that? You know, I was like, I just saw one and I ran to get my camera and take a picture. It's fucking gone. I was like, fuck, whatever. And then I was like, do they know I saw them? Whatever. And I was like, okay, I do all my daily rituals, my nightly rituals, all that stuff. I go to bed. <sighs> okay. So I go to bed and I'm not even in a state of sleep paralysis. It's like worse. It's not even sleep paralysis. It's like sub sleep. It's like some other shit that I've ever, never experienced. The weirdest fucking part about this guys is I never dream. I never, ever dream. So when mm. I dream, it's a big fucking deal. So I, I didn't think of this as a dream. So it's like a sub sleep type state. And I'm like laying in this like machine and it's like, it's like a CT PET scan looking type machine. It's like a, a crazy, machine and it, it I look above and there, there's this presence that is so cold and so like it doesn't give a shit about me and it's letting me know that it, it doesn't feel like abuse or anything like that but it feels like I'm like less to them I'm like nothing to this entity or this species like it doesn't give a shit out of me and it's really cold and mathematical and it's you know very not nice and so I'm like I'm being held down and I can't do anything about it. And I, I, I don't really remember anything about that, but then I wake up the next morning and I have this awful pain in my leg and all, like it's underneath it's on my like foot or on my like a uh, fucking shin or whatever the fuck it's like on my leg. And it's just like pain. And I'm not saying it felt like a microchip or something, but it felt like technology was in my leg for like a good few days. And I was like telling everyone about it. I'm like, there's this phantom pain that is here. Like, what the fuck? And yeah, I told my friend about it. And they're like, you know, it sounds like a tall gray and tall grays are very cold and mean, but they, you know, maybe you awakened or opened up to them. And I was talking about aliens with my friends on the phone a few days before and we were talking about it. And then I saw the UFO and then I had that subsleep scenario. I don't fucking know. Maybe it's all my Jungian unconsciousness or it's something bigger. I don't know. But it felt like a chip. So are you microchipped right now? <laughs> I mean, I don't fucking know, dude. Like the thing is, is do they know when we're open to communication with them? Like, can they feel it in the same way spirits can? Well, I would assume that 
if we were all spiritual beings, then a chip wouldn't be necessary unless they were using that chip to do something that was against your free will, right? I mean, I don't know. It felt like a rape. Like, I know that's really traumatic. I know that's really dramatic. But like the way the experience in the dream felt like, it felt like it was a very like, it was a very, uh, it, the the being did not give a shit about me. It was in, extremely more intelligent than me. It knew it and it wanted me to know that. And it didn't speak. And tall grays apparently don't speak. They communicate with you through telepathy. So it was it was something like that. Have you looked uh, on your body or had a friend look at your body to f- see if there's any scars? No, like a place I haven't. where a microchip would be inserted. I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, the, the point being is, is that maybe the phantom pain of mm. the mic, maybe it's not physically there. Maybe it's astrally there. That's right. some other shit. Holy fuck. That, I just realized well, that. I've, I've, what if I've, it's astrally there? I've heard uh, and read stories of people going through shamanic initiations where they go into the astral realm and a quartz crystal or a type of crystal is physically like placed into one of their chakras and it feels like they're putting it inside of their mind. And then, you know, they wake up with this awakened and un, you know, this opened pineal gland right so that's kind of maybe something like that where it's like an ethereal implant like they're they're connecting you to this kind of feedback loop oh that's so true it could be an immaterial implant and i think what's also super cool about that is is that you know like we always talk about the astral world and the upper worlds and the immaterial and the spirit world as like, how do I say this? Like entities or just people or, you know, spirits or that type of stuff. But we don't think of it as like objects being there or things being in our bodies or on our bodies that are not, that we can't see, you know, like, like, like a plasma fucking, you know, immaterial shit that is like high frequency on our body at all times. Hmm. Jay, your thoughts? I believe that. I think that's very possible, especially when he's describing it as like a dream state, you know? It's not a physical body experiencing it. No, or our ethereal body. Yeah, Yeah, our our etheric body. What do they say? Is it etheric body? Etheric, ethereal. It's all right. Etheric is, you know, when you read this stuff in books, it's like, you know, you go and pronounce stuff weird. But that's funny because like, yeah, when you study this stuff, it's some of the words are like, how do I pronounce this? And then you hear it on a podcast and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Also, on that topic, because you said study, I think one of the most important aspects of magic in the occult is praxis. Put your theory into practice action and practice do not become an occult nerd who is not manifesting your dreams you have to use this shit it's not here for you to just like it's not it's fun to look at it and observe it in theory and and to enjoy it in a distance way but you're not really experiencing magic unless you're fucking you know doing it you know it's like what does grant morrison always say he's like it's like you know watching porn versus actually having sex. It's like, you can read occult books all day, but you're not going to be actually doing it until you do the action. Right. So maybe we can get into that before we wrap up, because I know you and I spoke about 
having a a second part of this podcast on yeah the days from I mean, now because yeah, the a, Libra yeah, I, would I be. I mean, we could go on till 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 seven if you want. What till till seven? I mean, yeah, it's up to you. I I think maybe timing it with the calendar like that and where the planets are might be an interesting kind of experiment just to see if there is a difference in the conversation if we come back to it would uh, be more synchro destiny because you're a libra and if the moon's in libra usually like say say you get a business opportunity on like a fucking scorpio moon right and the person that you got the business opportunity from is a scorpio that is aligned with the synchronicities of the planets and magic so you have to pay attention to those transits sometimes because magic will manifest like you could do a spell on a Leo full moon and then it might manifest on like a Leo waxing moon six months later. Right. So I think that'd be a cool way to kind of wrap this podcast up is, is put this as part one. And then when people are listening to this, it'll just transition right into part two well, that's uh, kind of cool. Where where you and I are speaking uh, in the future from now, but for them, it'll all be in the past. But maybe they'll notice uh, maybe a subtle difference in our conversation. Yeah, that, oh, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah, obviously that would be because I think yeah, there's and that, and more. Cool. There's more. There's more we can talk about from here that maybe we'll have a better idea of after a couple of days of reflecting. Anyways, right. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. Enjoy part two with Alex Kazami coming up yeah. right now. And now I'm gone. Why are you trying to save me? You took my soul as yours, and then you left nothing for me. So give me back my gold. So I'll forever be
This is the part two of our conversation with Alex Kazami, author of Pop Magic. You know him from his relationship with Marilyn Manson and Whoa. many other celebrities. <laughs> Alex, how are you, man? It's for, for the listeners, it's morning time. Our first part of this conversation was daytime, and we decided to reconvene right now at this moment because the Libra... The moon is in the house of Libra. Did I get that right? Am I wrong? Well, the moon is transiting through the sign of Libra right now. So it's right. a Libra moon before the Scorpio full moon, which will be on Monday. So oh, I Libra saw some girl post about the uh, Scorpio full moon. What'd she have to say? The girl who posted about it, what did she say about it? Yeah, I didn't mean to mute you. It's just your echoing. Yeah, I know. I I should be good now. My laptop wasn't muted, right? I'm good. You're good yeah, now. Yeah, you're we'll good. edit this out. All right. So, what did she have to say? She actually had a lot to say. Let me look it up for a sec. Well, you guys can <laughs> fill in the dead air. Fill said. in the dead air. While All I right. Look this up Jesus Christ. Well, <clears throat> the moon is in Libra. I think my energy is very high this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely. You'll, you'll be feeling it a lot more and. It's kind of like divine timing that we're talking during the Libra moon because maybe you're a byproduct of magic I've done. You know what I mean? Like, you know, coincidences to meet someone like you or be on this show. Maybe a ritual I did like six months ago, wanting to meet people who are into magic. Right. Is manifesting right now as we're talking. Right. So we we talked about your experience with Marilyn Manson and since then have you had anything equally because I mean Jay and I hung out yesterday and he was like Alex knows Marilyn like he he was reflecting on it like he he really was impressed by that and I, I'm wondering like what have you done to top that since then have you done well no I mean I think spectacular other than yeah, I mean, this I, awesome book yeah I mean I think you know there's a lot of celebrities and people in power attached to my book but it's kind of like an illusion like it's not an illusion but it's it's a byproduct of me trying to explain that like pop culture and modern society is a spectacle in itself that is constructed you know and that like the way that people reacted to the book was kind of a trap door because it's like this book that looks like a pop product but I wanted them to fall into this really weird world where you're learning about sigils in the occult, you know, and like, I wanted it, someone to find it at a bookstore and think that they're going to learn about pop magic, but they're going to learn like really serious occult practices. Right. So kind of like, you know, sheep and a wolf or a wolf in sheep's clothing type uh, approach. I like that. Or a Trojan horse maybe, but yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned in our, the first part of our conversation, something that I've been reflecting on a lot since is this, the grid, right? The, the, yeah. the Kabbalah. It's kind of like the foundation through which all Western magic comes from. And totally. you, know, you told us in the meantime to look up the Klipoth, right? The Klipoth. Yeah. And I, I recognized it as looking similar to the Sephiroth. So for those who aren't familiar, we're going to include the diagram in the uh, artwork for the podcast. So the kind of, how would you describe this shape? Alex, I mean, it's kind of like a grid, but it's like, uh, it's almost like a diamond spheres. shape. Lines. There's spheres, there's spheres of different, like, you know, parts of ourselves. I think, you know, if you, I think a part of the tree of life and climbing the tree of life is these spheres may exist without 
like, you know, outside of us, but I think they exist within us. And if we can create self-mastery by working through these fears and going through each, studying the sephirah, studying each aspect of the, the qualities and the traits, we can, people say that it creates ascension faster. It creates, it creates the process faster because I don't know if you've ever had this coincidence that whenever you've overcome something or you've discovered something about yourself and you've freed it, that a manifestation came or light came into your life after you healed something. I've seen that a lot. And I think, I think that is just it. I think our unhealed parts within us are the, you know, sephirot that we have to work through. And, you know, Kabbalistically, the klipah, the shells, the husks of the negative forces, when we give into instant gratification and ego, they take that from us and we have to try to get the light back. So visualizing this diagram, it's like spheres connected by lines and it's almost three-dimensional. It doesn't look three-dimensional until you kind of see that the lines kind of intersect in such a way that it's almost like layers, right? So would you say that you start at the bottom sphere and make it to the top? Is that generally? Yeah, well, kind of like that. Like like they would say that we're in Malhut, which is like the earth, the earthly plane, the densest plane right now is that that, that's not the absolute bottom of the sephiroth though yeah it is it is okay yeah it's just the bottom so we're in the lower worlds like they would say we're in the one percent reality and the 99 percent reality would be the spiritual reality and connecting and transcending past the material so since we all have the same south and north nodes have you guys felt unfulfilled by material the material world yeah, I mean, I'm almost pushed into hoarders, <laughs> uh, being a hoarder, because it's like I buy all of these. Oh my God, Jay, come on, what are you doing? Well, I buy all, <laughs> I buy all of these books that are, you know, very spiritual and esoteric, and all these historic topics. And there is almost like a feeling of like, am I wasting my my money getting all these books? Sometimes I feel like that, but the idea of like collecting a book it's so much more than just a physical thing you know it's like a it's for your astral temple yeah yeah so so i do think that like if you look at my room it's pretty obvious that like there's some spiritual exploration going on but as far as material fulfillment i feel like it almost seems like i'm mixing the two because my you know the material stuff around me is very spiritual you know so but oh, no well, i definitely feel unfulfilled yeah well that's interesting to think about like if if we if we're attaining spiritual things in the material world maybe those things are fulfilling but i mean like kabbalistically they would say that things like you know attaining and accruing you know material things that are tied to the material world cannot bring fulfillment. So we have to ascend that and find spirituality and, and study the Kabbalah and study magic and all this type of stuff too. Cause they would say Malhut is a prison. Like this is a prison. Like our souls are in a prison here. Yeah. I, I, I resonate with that. I mean, there are certain people like David Icke talk about prison planet. We're on a prison planet. And like, I remember as a kid listening to rap music, there was like this one rapper cannabis who had this song about how we're like 
trapped behind this grid and the earth is gridded in and we're not supposed to uh, leave this grid and interact yeah. with the people around us until we reach spiritual enlightenment. But, you know, it's funny, Alex, it's kind of dawning on me now when we spoke on the phone a couple of days, maybe last week. And you mentioned that about the North Node, South Node relationship between Taurus and Scorpio and how I'm making this kind of spiritual decision to abandon that hedonistic life uh, style that I had maybe in a past life. That resonates with me very strongly. I mean, I, I use cannabis daily. I think that might play into it. And, and there, that's also I mean, very Libra, by the way. Air signs yeah. love weed. Well, you, you, you did mention that like sun and Libra, there's like a constant stimulation, right? That, that we yeah. seek. So that would make sense. But if you consider like the relationship that the smoker has with cannabis, it's very, it seems material, right? Because you're buying this material thing that offers you a sort of spiritual experience and then you burn it away and it's gone like a city yeah yeah yeah. You know? they would say that the light would go to like the cleat bar like it's like a short circuit like you get it fast and then you need more but real fulfilling things we don't need more of we were in a state of fulfillment that's why you know maybe we should kind of talk about like the simulation now and unplugging yes from the simulation because that's directly connected to that because i've done like experiments these past few months of like really throwing myself into the network and then really unplugging and doing like ex like tests, like kind of like treating like overstimulating of dopamine on the internet, like, like a mockery experiment of being like a Gen Zer and just like slaughtering myself with like dopamine slime and then going like 90 days without dopamine or like the internet and stuff like that, you know, like, so I've done experiments and I really am convinced that they they, the corporations, the internet, you know, the social media culture, all of that is designed to make us as human beings extremely unfulfilled and extremely unhappy in a constant state of pursuit to stay online and make the plutocracy money. Yeah, that's the direction we're heading in for sure. So when you're doing these experiments, what's that like transition period like? Because you, you, you mentioned like... <laughs> sliming yourself with this dopamine and then like taking like a 60 day like yeah sabbatical right from it so so what what is that transition like is, uh, the couple days after you you kind of abandon it particularly hard do you have any tips for anyone who might want to try that experiment out yeah i mean it, it always sucks like the first week after but i think what i'm so inspired to go to the choice that i've made after because of how not traumatic but how the pain associated with that dopamine world because i could see like when i was in the dopamine vortex in the experiment like i'm not present i'm always in need for more stimulation i i i'm I, i'm creating false importance on things that are not actually important to me that seem immediate and need immediate reaction and it's like so much intensity that is unnecessary I feel disrupted. To, I mean, I, I can read books like every day, but when I'm in that vortex, like I can't even focus on anything but getting more dopamine and more stimulation on the virtual world. And it's really, it really fucking sucks because I think about how this is actually so many people's normal and they just are okay with this state. Like, especially when I was playing with, because I have a flip phone, but I got iMessage just to play with it. And 
the fucking shit that people text me, like memes and like YouTube, like, and just like back and forth ping pong. It's like, it doesn't make any sense because it's the opposite of, of focus and productivity and zenness. It's like literally meant to make your system chaos and chaotic. Yeah. <clears throat> now, doing a good job of describing the 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 appearance of the matrix that we're in right and yeah. and, and our relationship with dopamine this kind of they they're almost hacking our brain to keep yeah. us on this slow or this low attention span you know short attention span frequency where you kind of just cycle from one thing to the next without making a thoughtful decision right why is that the way yeah, it is well yeah, yeah. because they want to sell you stuff right they, they want oh, yeah. to make quick decisions and yeah. and spend your money fast so there there's this i mean it could be economical but at the same time we're being indoctrinated to think that you know we're just this tiny meaningless speck of material nothing in this huge sea of void and what you mentioned before about how we're like the one percent surrounded by this 99 percent yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like that's what they want us to forget they're almost like flipping that upside down and being like yeah it's all just void and like emptiness out there and that and feel like shit all the it. time and yeah. like this is what you deserve like just like self-punish yourself and be a, be a hedonist and just pursue everything and the fucking thing that pissed me off the most was when I was doing all of that is because I have a very logical part of my brain. And I was like, wait, this doesn't actually solve any solutions to the, to any of the, it doesn't accomplish any goals when you use the internet in a way that is just for pursuit of, of energy and instant gratification. Like you're not actually accomplishing anything, you know? And I think that's the thing that pisses me off the most because they want you in this state of buffering. Like you're never going to get there. You're never going to get there. You're just going to stay in buffering and you're just going to keep trying and keep trying and it doesn't work. It's like gambling, you know, like they just want you to sit there and play the slots all day. And it's, it's shitty because we should be filling up our days with things that are about accomplishing things with behaviors that are accomplishing things, you know? So what are some signs, you know, that people can start to become aware of that we're slipping into the simulation? I mean, was there a sort of like something you would notice happen in that period of time after your kind of 60 day? Oh, dive? yeah, yeah. You know, like what were what were some of the reflexes you noticed and how did you avoid slipping back into that dopamine loop? Well, this is kind of cool. So basically there during one of the detoxes, I never I didn't use Google at all. Like, like, and, and so anything I wanted to Google, I just had to write down in a notebook and just look at the thought. So what I learned the most was, is that all this need for unnecessary information was keeping my brain with like garbage, you know, and debris rather than when it was an actual thing that was efficient and I needed, I could actually find it like any somewhere else other than the internet, you know, or I could talk to someone or ask another person. And it yeah. made me feel more connected in that way. And I think, you know, one of the worst reflexes I learned, you know, is because when I was a teenager, obviously I used to binge YouTube videos and use YouTube for hours. And that was just like a normal plugged in vortex. But when I started to get out of there and I zoomed out on that behavior, I was like, what the fuck? There's no need for me to watch like 20 videos on one subject 
Like you need to do it in micro dosing because they want you to sit there. Like they want to indoctrinate that like one kid who sees one Jordan Peterson video and then spends like 30 fucking hours on the internet watching Jordan Peterson videos. And a lot of guys do do that, you know, and that happened a lot like in the I think I do that with comedy. It's like I, I get addicted to that feeling of like laughing and being in this, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because I start to think like, oh, maybe I'm just not thinking right now. And I'm just in the moment. But, you know, what you're talking about is reminding me of something we Jay and I heard Andreas exodus say on the conspiracy castle about memory palaces and how we we've been kind oh, wow. of pushed away from this ability to create the memory palace and all of us as human beings have this really rich memory ability that we've lost access to and how he described it was like a palace you have this memory palace and he said i think that he came, he said this came from cagliostro it wasn't his idea but the memory palace is this sort of you know visualization tool and you go into your memory palace and and next to you know your the rooms each room is associated with certain things so like what you're mentioning to me about this like search engine kind of way that we think it's almost shuts the door to your memory palace because you you've created a, a one online that's much lazier and you've requires created no the akashic records you've created yeah. the akashic records the internet is just the akashic records and that was the number one thing that i learned is is the consciousness that you're using to plug into certain variations of reality is no different than looking into the akashic records the energy that you're putting on that search engine they, like you said, the search engine is the greatest metaphor because you're, you're, all of that stuff that you want to materialize in your head is you can do on the internet and in a virtual way. You know, like if you want to see a picture that you're thinking of, you can see it on the internet. The internet is like the Akashic Records. And it's so it's almost like, it's almost like tracing something instead of creating it yourself, right? You, you sort of curation. have like a copy of it. Yeah, it's like curation instead of creation. And I think that's why, you know, I I kind of really struggle with with the idea of like, you know, because I, I relate to like, you know, what you said about watching a lot of comedy videos, but a metaphor that I use is like, well, what if this was like 1998 and I could only watch like two Bill Hicks tapes and that's it. And I only own that. And that's what I have. And if you like start to train your brain to think that way, you start to become more fulfilled by that microdosing, and you don't need to go into that like numbing extreme place of like 10 hours on one subject, which is great when you're doing like research for a project that has like output, right? But if you're just kind of doing it to escape, that's what they want. You know, they want us into an escapist virtual reality. I mean, they want kids to be gaming for 12 hours a day or 15 hours a day looking at screens because- that's that that means that they're not going to question or or look around the at the world and discover things like magic because they're in a constant state of distraction right and that dopamine that dopamine feedback really does become uh, an addicting thing but the 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 trouble i see is that you associate that with the competition the learning the skill creation of gaming and then you know it feels real it feels like you're actually doing something you feel like you're accomplishing something similar 
but it's simulated. Yeah, it's and simulated. Where does, and where does that transition, you know, how does that apply to your real life? Like I can understand like a game like Minecraft where maybe you're like building something and there's a sort of creative kind of aspect to it. But there are certain games that folks play and I don't want to be disparaging because a lot of my friends play video games and I Mine care too. about them very much. But at the same time, I do feel like myself and them have this sort of stimuli addiction like i do it with podcasts and i'm not always constructive with that habit and i, I think exactly video games can be the same way yeah exactly and i think you, you you guys you know just hit on a major point about what i learned is is that truly when you are in that vortex of the digital world you are simulating experiences and simulating uh reality and there's always going to be an aspect of you that wants the physical thing, you know? It's like, you know, here's a great example, like, you know, that I talk about in the book, like so many young guys, um, like, you know, simulate, you know, sex through watching pornography. And some of them can't even have sex with their girlfriends because they prefer the simulated experience through the virtual world. And now with VR and all of that type of stuff coming into the picture and all that type of stuff, you know, this is kind of what they want because the more we're separate and the more we're disconnected and the more we're isolated and egotistical and solipsistic, we're not going to be spiritual because what is spiritually spirituality truly about? It's about unity, oneness, connection, connection to all. And you can't access that if you're constantly in an egoic solipsistic state and they encourage us to be in a state of solipsism so that we're, we're unhappy. And I think that's really fucked up that they care about our unhappy. I mean, they don't care about our happiness, but they want to take our money to keep us unhappy. Like, fuck you. And they've associated the pursuit of happiness with so many things that take you away from happiness, right? Because yeah. what do people find? It's like Sam Tripoli's spiritual podcast. It's called Zero because you need to come back to zero. You need to... You need to find that zero point and then you find oneness, you know, because all these distractions, Absolutely. all this stimulus, it just adds to your consciousness and slowing you down. Because what we're really trying to do is be at zero, be in the moment, be with the moment. And yeah, it's tough because like with this podcast, you know, it is a sort of egotistical thing. I think every podcast to, in a sense, has an element or component of that and, and even as of course, a listener, yeah, of you course. know, like you and you enjoy the ego of that person, you enjoy the personality of that person that you're listening to. So there not all of it is bad, but it's you know, what is balance. the dominant, yeah, what is the dominant uh force? And if you can find balance and balance your ego, I think, you know, Alex, maybe you can speak on this more, but where does ego and magic come in? Because when we're work when we're working with this magic reality, we don't necessarily ego can get in the way, right? Am I wrong yeah. by thinking that? Yeah, ego ego can get into the way and like addiction to your your hedonistic free will aspect. You know, that's why I don't like Crowley because he was so interested in the free will of hedonism and doing whatever you want. And that's very different than doing your divine will and doing something of service and living a fulfilling life. Because why is there like so many fucking billionaires and millionaires who write memoirs of how hard their lives are and how lonely they feel and all this type of stuff? Why is this a pattern? It's because it's a spiritual system that is not working. It has nothing to do with 
the material world. It, it's the lack of spirituality, the lack of spiritual connection. And I liked how earlier you said that, you know, your attachment to weed also has a reminder that, you know, the weed is like a prop in the way you relate to it. You know, it's like a, it's like a physical prop in the material world. And though it can give you something, there's lots of props in the material world that can, you know, give you instant gratification. But if we become reliant and dependent on it, then it's, then it's, we should only really be dependent on an unending source of light. And that comes from the spiritual world. That's why all this like 12 step shit works because people are transcending solipsism. They're giving up, you know, which I, you know, it's fine with Christianity and whatever, but I think really addiction is a spiritual issue. Right. In my own experiences, I've learned that. Can you explain the word solipsism for those who don't know? Because I forgot what that word means and you've used it a couple times. That it I means wanna... like to, <laughs> to be so, to only believe in the self and just like, mm, yes. you know, have nothing beyond the self, right. nothing beyond being very material. Oh, that's not science. You know what I mean? That type of, those types of people. And also only seeing the self and only feeding the self. The kind of scariest type of people who lack empathy are the ones who only are for the self-focus and and our our culture is is encouraging us to not be empathetic so that we can pursue fame you know so many of those like stupid gen z tiktokers like they like the famous ones like manipulate people all the time into like tricking oh like click this it's a trick you know or that or you know and like the ego is the byproduct of that because you're trying to get a need met and the ego is all about scarcity right so if you're in a constant state of lack you're going to always be manipulative yeah yeah that's that's really the theme i've heard with manifesting is like when you're thinking about what you don't have you're projecting a state of lack you know when you're thinking about what you want to accomplish you're thinking about it through a state of lack it makes it harder to accomplish that if you can get in the feeling of what it's like to accomplish what it's like to have what it's like to be rather than what it's like to want and what it's like to need you know if you can be rather than need that's the first step to oh yeah for sure know. If and you I can think, create that inner security of like havingness and yeah. abundance within, wow, things and, will change. <laughs> and that's, you know, and that's something that requires a certain amount of ego dismissal, because what is your ego constantly trying to do? It's trying to point out where you're kind of maybe wrong right because our thinking analyzing side of our brain is always like well what about this and what about this and some people i've noticed maybe just re retract back to what society's kind oh, yeah. of general agreement is and that's how they conduct their their ego but when you start to read like robert anton wilson or, yeah. or some of these interesting Karen's mckenna yeah yeah and you start to realize like okay what is my ego? Where, where is my intentions? Yeah, it's an yeah. illusion of your consciousness. You're just creating yourself in your consciousness, you know. And that's how, when you when you locate your consciousness and you you can view the ego as an illusion, then you can choose the higher choices. That's the key. Is once you maintain that key of consciousness, you could be like, oh, okay, I can actually see what the ego wants now. No, 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 no. I'm gonna choose the better thing. Like ego is like 
oh, I'll do that tomorrow, or I'm uncomfortable, or I need to be cozy, or I'm, you know, like it's all in the background, you know? And when you give into it, it never feels good because you were supposed to ascend to your higher self in that moment and you didn't. That's the only reason it doesn't feel good when you don't do the things that you're supposed to be doing. Right. So this morning when I was driving and three women on bicycles were in the road, <laughs> I, I really, I'm sorry if you hear this, ladies, I apologize. That was my ego. I shouldn't have done that. I should have just went with the flow yeah. and let you guys cross in front of me, even though there was no bike lane and what you're doing was completely illegal. You know, I shouldn't have shouted out of my window. Sounds pretty aggressive, out. Mark. It's very aggressive. And I think that that was all ego, you know, because in the moment I was like, oh, I need to get where I'm going. These people aren't doing what they're supposed to. And like, oh, I know, right. I know better than they do. So I have the right to tell them what to do. And so like analyzing it back, I feel so foolish, you know, but that's what it takes. You have to be able to be aware of your mistakes and be that oh, kind yeah. of fool on the, the first step of the tarot uh, and be able to start from zero and build back, you know, and kind of just like have that oh, 100%. awareness of yourself. Otherwise, you know, yourself might run amok. I agree with you. And I think you made a really good point because, you know, the, the whole point of being conscious on a spiritual path, like a real spiritual path, if you want to do the work, because this is work, like it's, you know, it's work you have to be aware of your negative traits and you have to be aware of when you do fuck up and you do have to take responsibility because 99% of people don't want to do that. And so the fact that you could even recognize that what you did today was wrong is a part of, of a growth that most people don't even want to go through because people don't want to evolve or transform or ascend or change because you know, people are just so comfortable in being like maybe that that guy who's yelling all the time or doing like that. That's why, you know, those like really egotistical people never change and they stay in like a place of arrested development is because they don't want to break through the discomfort of not giving what the ego wants. They're right. so comfortable and they've practiced so much in giving what the ego wants that the idea of, that's why we have the term ego death because it's a literal death for people. They have to grieve all they once knew to exist without the self. So maybe to add more clarity to how we can interpret the stars and the planets and their positions and how that affects us. Cause I think that's an essential you know, paradigm to understand in order to really interact with magic, you need to understand the energy that's in your, your moment right now, what you're, you're dealing with. So like today, the, the Le moon is in Libra, right? I had that moment. What, what can I also learn about that when our sun sign is in the moon, right? When the, when the moon is, well, in maybe, maybe, you know, one aspect of, of like, maybe there's a vain aspect of you that is impatient and that you feel kind of entitled for things to go faster. And that, you know, and that's maybe what you had to learn today is that, and, you know, Kabbalistically, if you had not reacted, they would say that you wouldn't have fed the klipah and that something light would have come to you because you had transformed in that moment and you had initiated conscious transformation to go against your nature and your reactive nature. And the soul truly feels like a transformation when you do change and you don't act on your reactive nature. That's See, like true Kabbalah. This, this, it, this happens to me maybe 
too often then because I feel like if I wake up in the morning and then I go and drive around and I don't smoke weed and then I'm like whoa it's like 5 p.m I still haven't smoked weed and then I smoke weed like late in the day I'll have like this feeling of like wow like I should have been nicer to those people. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and like, so I just, I'm not trying to like fall on my crutch of like weed makes me a better person. Cause I don't think anybody needs a, a substance, uh, no. but, but it's that moment of like, you're absolutely right, Alex, of like, I could have done that, but instead I did this where you do feel a kind of energy shift. And I've had, oh, that, it's real, especially in traffic. I mean, living where I live, the traffic is kind of nuts. So like, yeah. it's just like, everybody's me, 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 you know, there's truckers with huge rigs driving around in like what looks like a suburb. And you're like, what the hell are you <laughs> doing here? You know, like, yeah. so there's a lot going on where I live that would make a person like super impatient and aggressive, you know, like, yeah. I'm on one of the busiest, two busiest roads in the United States. But I think that's where I do have a lot of those moments of like, oh, wow. See how different that approach was to your past approach. Because I used to be running a million miles an hour. I was a Chinese food delivery guy. So I would just go, (laughs) you know, for breaking my Subaru Forester speeding around. And now... (laughs) At 26 years old, I'm kind of driving like an old man more and more because I'm like, oh, wait, there's no rush. Other people are are not. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's like more important uh, or less important than me. You know, like that kind of feeling of like we're all equal and and and, and I shouldn't feel like, oh, me, me, me first, because that's how a lot of people drive, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, this might be a kind of mundane metaphor, but for the most part, if you're someone who lives uh, in the suburban world, you understand what I'm or even a city that you have to drive in. Like no, LA, of course. You know? Yeah. So. No, I totally, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, what you pointed out was that the energy shift and that, that is a real energy shift. And the soul recognizes when you, because instead of feeding the klipa, you could feed your future higher self with light because what you ended up doing was creating an, like you said, when you, you drive, now you have more of a Zen experience. Cause then you, cause when you do freak out like that, and then two hours later, you're like, well, what the fuck was the point of that? That was literally like 10 minutes of my life or two hours of my life. Like, and it ended, it wasn't forever. And yet I treated it with so much like, on like like not good care towards that moment and i and i and life is precious and i was just bad to that moment because because you know that you can create more of a fulfilling experience yeah yeah no i i think that's ultimately my goal and and that's why i loved our phone call so much because you reminded me of of something that is so true to me it's like I do have that tendency to live in a more Taurus like life when I could be living like a Scorpio spiritually in life. Exactly. And I'm the exact same because like, and also like in my experiences when I've experienced, you know, my, my Taurian past life side and I've acted upon it, my soul literally like sends me a ringing call and it's like, no, like, like this is wrong. Like not, not out of guilt or shame or like religious guilt or shame. It's like, this is like not the path. Like you've done this. Like this is this, you've exhausted this engine, you know, this is done. And if I do some like fucking weird ass, like Kundalini yoga or any type of that shit, it's like, 
alignment. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, these are the, th- these are the experiences you came here for. You came here for the astral experiences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know, and if I'm, you know, doing like chanting or any of that type of stuff or magic, it's like, okay, this is where I'm centered in. This is what I'm for. And that's why, you know, the material world does seem so plastic and like fake and like, like, it's like, it's like counterfeit, like wax fruit, you know, like when you have like a wax plastic fruit in a bowl and you're trying to bite it and it's just plastic and the experience is just like, you know, it's not real, it's plastic, but you eat a real like juicy fruit and it feels good and you eat it and it's nourishing. It's like, that's the same with energy and and what we consume and what we put in our soul because my soul, I've practiced so much that I can tell the difference of when I'm putting something that isn't good into my body or I'm doing a behavior that is desired to receive for the self alone. And then I can tell the the chillness and the nourishment of the good behaviors. So why not fill my life with more fulfillment? Yeah, well, I mean, if anybody listened to the recent Tim James interview on Tinfall Hat, you'll find out that some of the foods that we eat actually turn our bodies into plastic. So yeah, you're quite yeah. literally getting plastic with a lot of food, but that brings us to a better kind of maybe more positive way to wrap this episode up. Not yet, but we got some time. But you know, as far as living spiritually and, and being open, like what do you recommend? I know you're not a dietitian or a nutritionist, but what do you do to like kind of keep your body healthy to facilitate this kind of emotional and spiritual health? Well, yeah. Like, like, what do I do? Like what, what kind of tips could I give to keep people's souls like, you know, nourish, like, and what they could do and practice? Because the thing is, is everything is about practice. Like I don't like theory. I want people to try and experiment things that, that work the best for them because it, it is exhausting when we constantly hear the same things over and over again of, Oh, do this, that this is fulfilling. Well, you're not going to know until you actually try it. So obviously meditation is a huge one, you know, if you can do transcendental meditation or you could learn mindfulness or just like 20, because think about it, the 20 minutes of your day that, or 10 minutes of your day that it takes to meditate, that's like the 10 minutes on YouTube or on Instagram that you probably spent today. And it's just in a, a different multiverse you're doing something different with that 10 minutes. You're alchemizing the 10 minutes and you're reaching a higher side of yourself. So meditation is a good one. And also social media detoxes or cleanses or screen detoxes, if you can, if you have the time to, because I think it's really important to tolerate the idleness that is being, you know, not not rejected, but, you know, when we leave that idleness of staying on the internet, you know, I feel like people go, they numb themselves. They leave the experience of what they're trying to tolerate because people have such a discomfort when they're not on the internet or they're not on their phone. So you have to tolerate that discomfort without all of this external stuff and go through it rather than try to go around the experience. And I feel like the internet and social media is, we can just like pull up a phone, our phone and start texting someone to numb out. But what happens when you actually experience those emotions, experience those uncomfortable feelings, you you can get into your shadow work and you can start to do real alchemy. And I think aside from that, I, I would say try to just try to figure out what spirituality works for you. You know, try to try to create a more spiritual life, try to do more research, you know, talk to friends who have read books, you know, listen to spiritual podcasts, like try to initiate and relationship with the world beyond the material and see what happens. See if things change, you know, for you. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So do you feel like we've sufficiently explained how to escape the simulation? Is there anything we left out that you want to? Well, I think a good way to explain it is to question everything that you're consuming, interrogate everything, look at everything that you see and be like, this is here to make me spend more time online and spend money. And do I just want to be a fucking consumerist slave or do I want to consume my life and the real world and create experiences and get fulfilled rather than this like illusion of what you see on the internet? You know, it's like, I know so many friends who when TikTok came out, they're like, oh, Alex, I spent 10 hours on TikTok today. And I'm like, of course you did, because that's what they want. They want us to do that. Apparently TikTok actually is designed to make you go viral. Like, like it makes everyone go viral. That's why there's so many famous people on TikTok. So it like literally is like a virtual drug that, that tries to make you feel fulfilled by the app. So you keep going back to it. So this is where we're at folks. We're at the time where we're becoming dependent on immaterial energies and substances. Well, they want to give everybody a thousand fans, you know, because if everybody thinks they have a thousand fans <laughs> or a million fans, then it'll be more and more delusional. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's a great point. That's another reason why I love podcasts is because I can just turn them on and I still have my eyes, my hands. I can yeah. move, I can drive, I can do all these things while I'm listening and learning new things. So, you know, uh, before when I made the association with video games, I think I was a stretch, but it's definitely, you know, a part of this is this social media index that they're getting you to log into and, and put all your information on. It is kind of like an, a new drug and, and part of breaking out of the simulation is to not invest your time in that <clears throat> because ultimately the more time you invest in that, the more money you're going to put towards their ads and their product. Become an avatar. Yeah. And, you know, I think, and the whole video game thing where you can buy endless amount of like digital add-ons to your character and all these customizations. Oh shit. Is it really like that? Oh yeah. I mean, if you, if you spend like enough money on these video games, like it, it's an endless rabbit hole for some people. And I think, or endless money. That's the pay. thing. There's, 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 there's endless scroll, right? Because yeah. if the scroll ended, what would happen? That would mean that we would get off our phones and we'd leave. But they literally want us to be in an infinite place of scrolling. Like it's it's really sick. And I and think- that's what, they're, that's what they're incentivizing. But I guess my larger point is like, as soon as you make the choice to support the podcasters you love. And I'm not, this isn't a sales pitch because this is something I personally did. I, I, I paid I believe this. for the Grimerica show. I paid for the tinfall hat show. I paid for the higher side chats. I got all this extra information I that just fed too. this <laughs> hunger, you know? And I think once I started investing my money in that place, in a place where other people who were on this same wavelength as me were getting help from me i became a consumer in a beneficial way oh yeah so, that's like kind of punk like this is kind of like I, that's why i like all that type of stuff exactly because it reminds me so of we like can we don't clubs. have to we don't have to be like anti-consumers and completely no, show everything no, of up. we just not. have to take control over what we're consuming absolutely what we're putting absolutely. our energy towards right alex i mean you would agree yeah with of course that. yeah no of course like you like the, you you can still of course you have to in, 
engage, I'm not telling you to like completely disengage from the world. You have to engage with the, in the, with the world with a conscious way, you know, and realize that there's a lot of vortexes and a lot of rabbit holes on the internet that are meant to not make you have a magical life, you know, whereas when you use the internet in a productive way, like supporting a cool indie podcast or a punk podcast that, and that you feel connected to you're, that's, that's something powerful, you know, and, and, and it kind of goes back to, you know, the root source of what the internet was for, for a global community. It wasn't supposed to be like an entertainment center, you know, it like reminds me of those video game, uh, the, like arcade things at the movie theaters in the early 2000s that people would just like sit there, you know, and there's like in a fucking simulator, you know, we're not meant to just sit in a simulator all day. We're meant to like experience life and we deserve more than simulations and simulated experiences. And on that note, I feel like a real way to unplug from the matrix is just to have more consciousness of where you're directing your energy. Think of your energy like an like an arrow and where are you where are you directing that arrow? You know, and how are you and also try to be less on autopilot because I feel like when I was in that vortex experiment, that the worst part was the automated everything you know, autopilot reactions, automated decisions. There felt like there was less choice, you know, whereas when I was off of it, and, and also I've done experiments where I've only used the internet for one hour a day and the email for one hour a day. And a lot of people do this. Cal Newport does this. He writes books about it. And it's an amazing thing. And if you can do it, it's amazing. But you start to realize that in like the, in like the 90s, people used the internet for one hour a day you know, in 1999, like that's what, that, and it's gone up to like eight hours a day now, I think. So like a week, we use a week of the internet in a day that people used in the nineties in one day, like it, like one hour a day. And then they, I don't know how to say it. I'm stupid. Wait, <laughs> it's, it. it's like, it's yeah, it's sense. like, it's like eight hours a day, like from, from like Sunday to fucking Monday. And then it's gone from seven hours to 49 hours a week. There you go. Smart person. <laughs> but that's all right. You know, I mean, I just just doing multiplication, Alex. You you're you're smarter than uh, me when it comes to I'm sure many things. So well, you're an air sign, you can do math. Uh, I have no like you can do things like in your intellect. Are you, you good at math? What, what's funny about that is like I always sucked at math in school, and it wasn't until I actually had a job at a farmer's market where I had to count large amounts of cash where I became good at math. Like it was only when Quickly I had something too. to care about to count. Like when I, I was counting, that. you know, fake numbers on a desk, nothing mattered. But when I had like 50s, 20s, 10s, 5s, and like I'm doing the math and getting the money, like that's when I learned math. But enough about that. I, I think there's a necessity. Yeah, but you know, also like that's kind of what they're indoctrinating you away from is like that real experience of learning. And then, then that's kind of what we touched on today and in our conversation two days ago is you can't just study this stuff from afar like you would at a desk in school. You have to engage with it. You have to so practice much. magic. You have to throw yourself right? in it. Yeah. You have to and throw that's, yourself in it. That's how school used to be. In like the Middle Ages and the old ancient times, you would go oh, and shit. find some mentor and they, you would actually like go and do shit. You wouldn't just sit at a table and write stuff on paper all day and, and talk about stuff other people did. I mean, this is the indoctrination that we're all being put through and it's priming us 
to be these short attention span consumers like we've been describing and this kind of falling into the state of, oh, I can be a famous TikTok person, even though I have nothing interesting about my personality, but I can do a little dance time <laughs> to it. music you know and all this bullshit that people are doing so you know i don't know i i have always been a black sheep and that kind of makes me seem like judgmental and hipster and cynical about some of this stuff but the more spiritual i get the more i realize it's like we're all just on different paths so there's no pressure well the thing that the thing that the internet really revealed about people in this last decade is is that every person literally has their own reality their own very their own reality that is built on their perceptions and the variables of things they choose to focus on and for some fucking reason every individual soul can't my like you know mutate into one view which is great our individualism is fucking awesome you know but it also creates a lot of chaos and ego because all of the opposing views and i'm right you're wrong that's right in my reality, that's wrong in your reality, all that type of stuff has created like literally an ideological warfare on the internet and, and the digital world. And it's kind of funny to me because it's it's literally impossible for every person to have the same view or same feelings because everyone has their own individual soul DNA. So it's a lot that Gen Z expects from the world to have a utopian ideal world where we all think the same things and feel the same things and don't have oppositions and everything is just peaceful. Well, no, that's actually not what we're here for. We're not supposed to do that. It's, it's, I think that's really frustrating sometimes because I find that like, I really dislike the ostracization in, in, in how people are treating people with such extreme views on the internet today and how they judge people. Well, it's, it's, you know, this gang mentality that's being incentivized of like the mob rule mob think, you know, and like, oh, these people are not agreeing with the, but they the make mainstream. it about morality. And that's what grosses me out because it has nothing to do with morality. It has something to do with difference of feelings and opinions because these things that people are upset about have existed for thousands and hundreds of years in different patterns of people. And for us to just ignore that and be like, oh, no, 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 because Gen Z is here. Everyone's minds are going to change and everything is just like, this is it. You know, this is the time. But in history, it's never fucking happened. So it's like, and I'm not being like a cynical, like pessimist, but I'm trying to say that you're so much better to focus on your service in the world, what you can do and having a fulfilling life rather than constantly trying to fix the world's problems and trying to put all of your energy towards that because you can do your contribution and, 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 and have values and be political and, and believe in justice, of course. But if you make that into all of you, you're just putting a curtain over reality. You're not seeing everything else. Wow. Alex Kazami, I mean, this has been a fantastic conversation. We're probably coming to about two hours altogether with part one and part two. You know, I just got to say for the listeners, if you're not on our Patreon, you're really missing out right now. We're getting a tour of Jay's house. He's just walking around his house with his laptop on. Oh, he disappeared because we called him out. (laughs) That's right. He's just switching over to his computer here. So, but Alex, I mean, this has been such an awesome conversation. So much to think about, so much to 
to go off of. Is there anything, any closing thoughts you have? I wanted to, to ask you about, about something. You could probably like edit it in, but I wanted to talk a bit about that documentary, uh, The Social Dilemma from Netflix. You know, okay. do you know about it? The thing that kind of pissed me off and what I feel like The Social Dilemma got wrong was that they put that out there and they made awareness of something and yet everyone continued to do the exact same thing once they were informed. They went right back into their same virtual reality and all of that. And they were complicit and apathetic towards like they're the, 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 the plutocracy has everyone so manipulated that, that they can literally humiliate their own consumers by making this documentary and be like, look, like we're literally ruining your life and fucking you over. And it's not a coincidence. And we're going to tell you that right here with all of the plutocracy and all the people at Facebook, everyone here, and we're going to just tell you it. And then two hours later, you're going to go right back into your own life. And that kind of shows me that, you know, awareness and wake up doesn't work. It's all about what you do with this information and how you try to make it in the material world, because you can be theoretical for as long as you want. You can be intellectual and abstract for as long as you want. But if you have an awareness of something that you have to, you have to add that action into your life. You have to bring it down into what we call in Kabbalah Malhut, the material world. You have to draw it down from your intellect and bring it down into this world. Because if you're, because you're just creating another version of a sheep because I was really pissed off about that documentary because I was always very banned from like mainstream places when I wanted to talk about like anti-social media stuff, because of course they're not going to promote that because they know that they have all the ties and the business relationships with the social media companies and they want their young viewers to consume and be, you know, it's all a plan. Right. So I was pissed off when that documentary came out and everyone was texting me and they're like, Oh, Alex, have you seen this? And I'm like, so something I've been trying to tell you guys for like the last 10 years. And I don't even care that you're, you know, moved by this documentary because you're going to just go back and do the same thing. So what I'm going to say to people is when you are, when something is striking you and it's a cord that is like in your soul that is being pulled, you should seriously take that action right away. Don't delay that. Don't be who you're not supposed to be. Yeah. I resonate with that. I think that's a great message to end on, Alex. I mean, I usually ask Jay uh, if he has any wrap-up questions, but he kind of did that at the end of part one. Jay, do you have anything that's on your mind before we end with Alex Kazami, this fantastic episode about magic, consciousness, society. I mean, we touched on so much. I definitely want to have you back on maybe when some of our other co-hosts are here. Chris and Mikey would probably enjoy this conversation, but what are you thinking, Jay? Yeah, I don't, it just obviously makes you reflect on your own actions. Thought of obviously playing all the video games that I do play, but <laughs> I, I was thinking and I think a, a majority of the reason, like personally, why I plug into that sort of realm is just to like, at this point, connect with my friends, you know, because obviously there's now yeah. a community of people that I know in real life that I've been friends with my whole life that that's just like what we've been doing our whole lives, you know, so that's how we just stay connected in this crazy world, you know, no, for I, sure. I enjoyed that you. part of it. It's really cool. And like, this new virtual podcasting world is like totally awesome. Like being able to meet people that we wouldn't be able to do before, but yeah, I definitely plug into 
the social media for like like I play in a band, right? And I I don't have any role in the social media, but obviously to them it's like really really important to them to have this social media sort of presence, right? But that's what's kind of confusing to me because I feel like bands and musicians should try to find the honchos at like who are already in power with like Spotify and iTunes and like all the people that can help them blow up rather than work on building their online presence because talent and, and an A&R hearing a demo that they love, that's never going to go away, you know, in the music industry. Right. You know, it's like resonance and connection and, and finding those links are so important, but everyone is just so much more interested in building their online brand rather than, finding that people can also help them and, and right. pushing themselves. That's, that's my story. I mean, I just was a fan of Tim Boyle hat and then I gave Sam a book. He invited me onto his podcast. He invited me back. He invited me back. He invited me back. Then he was like, Hey, you want to work for me? So, mm. you know, and if, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be doing this show. Cause he was a big part of like, Hey man, get a podcast going. And you know, all this stuff, every time I would do a podcast with him, he would ask me like, Oh, what's the name of your podcast? All oh, that sucks. You should change it. And I did. And now I have a podcast name that everybody I've ever told laughs at. They're like, Oh, that's a great name. You know, my family thinks I'm crazy. How relatable. So yeah, yeah I think that's great advice, Alex. You can't underestimate your own like ability to put yourself in a circumstance that you might not have thought possible just by meeting the right person. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I I also agreed with what you said though. Like, of course, like we've just like things like video games, like some people just talk on there, like zoom, you know, it's like Skype, you know, like, I'm not saying that that's, that's the thing is, is like nothing is inherently negative. If we internalize it and abuse it, then it becomes that way, but nothing is inherently negative. That's why I hated the term, toxic masculinity because masculinity isn't inherently negative and out the way someone chooses to internalize the messages of the media and all of that type of stuff no matter how offensive it is to another person it's not that fault of the media existing that that people interpret as toxic it's how someone chooses to internalize it it's like it's all about your perception of how you're using it and then it even relates to the magic like you using it in you know how you your perception of how you're using it you know it's the exact same thing yeah no, if you go and feel course. negative about it yeah you probably manifest negativity right sorry right. to cut you off alex no 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 i agree i agree with you and i think i think that's kind of my point is because i'm not trying to say anything is inherently negative my point is is that most people right. make these things that we've been given into uh negative numbing behaviors which is not, which is what they want. So no one has ever said that this stuff isn't a tool because it is a tool and it's a very powerful, magical tool. And we have a lot of Aquarian tools in this era that are crazy and are creating new experiences in this world that are positive. But the problem is, is, is that most people, unfortunately, choose to abuse these tools that we've been given. So we have to kind of be hardcore sometimes to talk about it, to get people to listen and be like, okay, you know, it's not normal if you're in a bad mood to, ne- to numb yourself with Netflix for seven hours. 
you know, because that's the same as like going to the bottle. You have to do something with the energy. You have to do something productive. You have to convert it. You have to alchemize it because the corporations are like vampires feeding off of our bad and our bad moods, our depression, our darker states mm. so that we rely on them to feel better. And we don't want any dependency on anything. Right. Well, bravo, Alex Kazami. Jay, thanks for joining me, Jay. Alex, thank you for joining us. I think this has been just a, a fantastic bridge into all these topics that we, we've only touched on so far in the podcast. So I definitely want to have you back on, Alex, as, yeah, you, of course. Uh, as you grow your magical abilities. Because, I mean, we're all about the same age, right? You, you were, yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, we're all born 94. Yep. So that's just, uh, you know, I think this was one of those synchronistic episodes. I think people start to notice that with the, with the podcast is there is a synchronicity theme running through from, from when I first had the Grimerica guys on and Chris Bennett, whose book I read for so long and like Michael Wan and now you, I mean, there's so many folks that have just come on to this show and some that I'm forgetting, but yeah, Alex, this has been great. Tell the listeners where they can find you, how they can get your book and what to expect from you in the near future. Yeah. So you can find me on alexkazemi.com and popmagic.com. Hopefully it will be in the description. Yes. And if you listen to this episode and you like it, and you choose to read Pop Magic, you can email me what you thought about the book, fan mail at alexkazemi.com. It's very 1996. But I, yeah, I love to read letters from people who read the book and what to expect in the future. I mean, I'm not going to say because I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to know if you got any more books in the works. Any Any chance you'll be writing any new books or is that too much to ask? Well, what was what 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 was something that was uh, really cool that Crowley said that I felt, you know, like you know, keeping things very secret is a part of magic. So mm. before things are manifested, it's important to not talk about it. So if mm. there are other books, I will not say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say that you can expect to see him on more podcasts coming soon. So please go check out his website, check out his book, buy it. Can they get it on Amazon or can should yeah, they get it we, from we, your website? We, you can get it on Amazon Prime. As much as I went down on the plutocracy and Jeff Bezos, buy the book well, on Amazon Prime. Well, some people, you can buy it directly <laughs> from the website. So I just, if, if that's possible, I'd urge them to buy it directly from you instead is that possible no but i i i you can buy it at like barnes and nobles and stuff like you just, or like an indie bookstore or something it's, well, it's it's it exists in bookstores but i also wanted to like thank you guys for like doing this podcast and creating this space for people and like getting up every day and you know doing this because for people who are discovering the occult and magic or are into these type of things it creates a, a space because if they're choosing with their consciousness to plug into this algorithmic reality and multiverse that we're in right now, and they match up in, in vibrational resonance, you know, you're, you're putting something out there for them to find and consume that they relate with. Right. So that's very powerful. Thank you. I mean, 
you thanked us so i guess i should say you're welcome but it <laughs> feels like you complimented us too so i have to say thank you alex thank you for gracing us with your wisdom your time your energy jay thanks for you know staying with us from your car jay looks very tourist like always <laughs> oh yeah look at this you look yeah. very tourist moon <laughs> Venetian hair and like, oh. <laughs> like it's like very like you should look up like Taurus moon <laughs> traits. Well, really with that, it. folks, look up to uh, Jay and his little Taurus horns. Thanks for listening to my family thinks I'm crazy podcast. Check out Alex Kazami; he's in the description. You can find all his links and have a good morning, day, or evening. Mark is bananas. Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I'm Don't listen crazy to him. For feeling so lonely. Follow us on patreon.com slash mftic. That's patreon.com slash mftic.